the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things that must soon take place. He made known, he made it known by sending his angel to the servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he had saw seen. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of his prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are, that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from who is and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from, from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming in the clouds, and with every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. eight years old, my parents, my mom in particular, we would go grocery shopping together. And we would go to the grocery store, and as you came, there was the produce section, which is normal, right? You go through the produce section and the fruit and the veg, and you kind of walk past that, and you get to where the deli is, and you start seeing bread, and there's seafood. Now, in Oklahoma, uh, which is in the middle of the continent that is uh, the country that is the United States. We are nowhere near water. I mean, there's water. We have a lot of shoreline. We've got lots of lakes. But there's no ocean. And so as you walked in, there would be this large fish tank. And in that fish tank, there would be lobsters. And they would all be there climbing on each other with their little pinchers with rubber bands around them so they wouldn't hurt each other, apparently. So as we would come in, I would see those lobsters there. And remember, there's no ocean, there's no, like, it's pitiful. And I would see those lobsters and I would become enamored with them. And I would stand there and look at them and watch them. Now sometimes, honestly, I would be praying that one of the rubber bands would break so that I could see an attack happen. But most often, I was just, what are these creatures? What is going on with them? Now, my mother, of course, didn't stop while I stopped. She continued to do the grocery shopping because there were important things to do. And occasionally, I would, okay, every time, I would look and see that my mother was gone. And something would begin to happen inside of me. I would think to myself, where is she? What has taken place? And I would begin the frantic search for my mother in the grocery store. I would go up and down every aisle looking for her, wondering where she was, wondering why she had left me in the grocery store. Now, had I been 15, I probably, well, 
if that's, that would be sad for one thing. But had I been 15, I probably would have thought to myself, I have food here, I'll be able to survive. But at 8, 9, and 10, and 15, I was wondering where my mother was. I would even get so worried that I would run outside to look and see if I spotted the car. And when I would see the car, I would come back in, I would go to the front desk and say, could you please page Anita Hinkle to come and get her son? <laughs> Paging Anita Hinkle. And she would come and get me. After too many times to count of this happening, she looked at me one day and said, if you page me the next time, I will leave my cart, go get in the car, and drive home, and leave you here. Now, my mother would have never done it, but it made me aware that my fear of her being absent from me was so great, those lobsters no longer attracted me. I was afraid of being left behind. Now, at about the same time in my life, there was a musician that was a contemporary Christian musician that had a song that came out. Now, this particular song would have really, and this artist really, in the tribe that I was growing up in, would never have gotten played. He was a Jesus people. He was a little bit out there. But Larry Norman wrote a song called You've Been Left Behind. And basically, the words went something like this. Two men walking up a hill. One looks away and one looks standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. How fearful. So scary that they made a movie about it. They got played in churches all across probably the world. Where you would see a man walking up a hill, he turns away, he looks back, and his friend that was walking up with him was gone, absent. Now, as an 8, 9, 10, 11, 32-year-old, you start to wonder, what is going on here? As I grew up, then what happened? Well, then some guys got together, and they started writing a series of books called Left Behind, where Nicholas Carpathian comes in, and there's all sorts of things that take place. And they were hugely successful, and there was merchandise, and, and mugs, and there were all sorts of things. Because fear sells. And so, as we begin to talk about and think about the book Revelation, there's definitely a place, probably in all of our hearts, that we're like, this is a scary book. This is something that is... Uh, shouldn't be talked about in general public. There are things that we are fearful of within this book. If you were to actually read the book of Revelation, there are chapters in this that definitely, I would say, could scare you. They, they would make you wonder, what actually is going on here? What, what is taking place? It doesn't help that that word Revelation is also apocalypse. And when we think of apocalypse, Hollywood has done a wonderful job telling us what an apocalypse looks like. It's destruction and mayhem and warfare. And anytime some major event happens in the world that 
has destruction or warfare. The media loves to say, is this the apocalypse? In the States, if there's more than, you know, three feet of snow, they say it's a snow apocalypse. Snow apocalypse. Snow apocalypse. And so I know that there might be some trepidation, as we say, for six weeks and maybe longer than that in the 9 o'clock study, which I encourage you to go to. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation. But it starts out so well for us and prepares our heart for what the book really is. These first eight verses show us what really is taking place in all of this book, in all of what's going on. And so it's good for us to start, obviously, at the beginning and look at it and go, what is it actually talking about? So we see there the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a revealing a showing forth, an unveiling. Revelation, or apocalypse, is in a long history of a literary event. Daniel has this. Daniel writes in the last part of it. We all know Daniel and the lions did. We know that part. But the last part of the book is apocalypse. It's a revealing. Now, what that means is it's shown out into this world what is the reality that is taking place in the spiritual. And how that power supersedes the power that we see in this world. Now that could be scary. But verses 1 through 8 tells us why that's not the case. So this is an apocalyptic book. That's good for us to know. That we're going to be seeing things as they are. Not as they seem to be. Now, the second thing that this book is, it tells us right here, is it's a book of prophecy. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Then a little bit later it says, even to all who saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. Now, oftentimes, we think to ourselves, prophecy is a future telling, right? It, it's this thing of going, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to take place. But if we know that John, who is writing this as a Jew, then he understands prophecy a little bit differently. He looks at prophecy and sees it as God setting forth a message to remind his people who he is and what they are doing. It becomes a reminder, not a foretelling, of what can happen when we take our eyes and our hearts off of God. If you look at all the Old Testament prophets, often what they are doing is saying, if you continue to walk down this path, this is where it leads. They're not saying, this is going to happen to you. Now, because they don't listen, and they continue to walk down. Those things happen. Thus the prophecy is made fulfilled. So we see this book of Revelation as a prophecy. And it's good for us to enter into it knowing that what John is doing is reminding us of who God is, what he's called us to, and how if we continue to walk in a way that is outside of the way God has designed, that it leads to something. And we see in this book it leads to 
because he is the giver of life. And where there is no life, there is destruction. Now, I said John there, didn't I? I think this is one of the coolest things about this book. All throughout, we know this is the Word of God. Written by God, for us, through people. That they're writing out what God is showing them to write out. That God is allowing them, working through them, so that their personality comes out, their, their culture comes out. It's pretty amazing. But in this particular, we see this message. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The, un, un, uh, the revealing of who Jesus is. Which God, check this out, this is God directly saying, I gave this about Jesus, through Jesus, to his servants. But I did it this way. So God, to Jesus, to an angel, to John, to us. Now all of Scripture is God breathed. But in Revelation, we see God making sure we know he's the one who saves. Through and about Jesus to John for all the servants. That's why this apocalypse and this prophecy can be sure to us. Because who the author is. But it's more than just an apocalyptic book and a prophecy. Greater than those things is it's a letter. It's a beautiful letter written by God through Christ to an angel, to John, for seven churches and beyond. It's a letter of love written to them that John, who also loves those churches, begins to express out here. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. He says to them, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Now, first off, when you heard about Revelation, when you first begin to engage with it, is grace and truth the words that have come to your mind? Maybe fear and trepidation. Maybe woe and worry. But this introduction, God is saying to us, grace to you and peace to you. That this letter that I'm writing should not instill fear, but should instill because I'm pouring out grace and truth and peace to you in it. I'm bringing forth all that Christ is, revealing Him completely so that you are aware that in the world that is filled with trials and tribulations, in a world that has temptations beyond our belief, that God is mighty. Why? He is the one who is and was and is to come. Later on, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is, who was, and who is to come. What? The Almighty. That God says, I'm bringing this grace and this peace to you. Not only that, I am standing with the seven spirits who are before the throne and from Jesus Christ. This isn't just coming from me. It's very Trinitarian for us. Those seven spirits aligning with the seven churches is the Holy Spirit that's operating and moving within those churches. And he says, 
this community, this loving thing that is three in one, that it's a mystery that we can't quite comprehend, but by faith we walk into knowing that there's this beautiful divine dance that is taking place. It is in that place that he calls a community, these seven churches, to know that grace and peace are coming, are present, and will always remain. That it's not just a promise of what's to come, but it's a reality of how things are and what is going on. And he names Jesus as what? The faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Then he says this about us. So grace and peace in this letter is what we'll see. The second thing we'll see is to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom, priest to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That we see here, this is us becoming who we were called to be, who we were made to be. That in Revelation, we recognize and begin to see what God has always been doing. That there is not a fear of what is coming. But there is a hope for what is coming because it is filled with grace and peace and love. To him who loves us. This is not about punishment. It is about promise. This is not about destruction. It's about renewal. That this book is about God's steadfast love and pursuit being made. The culmination. Oftentimes when we talk about Revelation, we talk about it as the second coming. But when we read this introduction, we recognize that Jesus has never left. So he doesn't have to come again. That he is at work now through who? The seven spirits, the Holy Spirit, in and through his church, his body, his, what does he call us? Kingdom. That in fact, you will see and I will see that as we dig deeper into this book, there is an elevation of God that is so amazing. There is a reminder of who Christ is that will be so compelling. And then there is a call on us to be the witnesses that we are called to be because of it. And it reminds us that even though it appears that the world is falling apart, that the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, He who was and is and is to come, who is always and beyond, the Almighty, sits on His throne. And so for us, we don't have to have fear. For us, we live in a place where we walk in assurance of that. Knowing that while our eyes might see in the flesh, the Spirit is doing something far beyond what we can ever comprehend. Now, so when we look at this book, we cannot come to it as this apocalyptic prophecy that is a letter that's written to these churches and to us as well, and think it's going to show us the game plan for how Jesus is going to come back. I just want to remind you that Jesus himself said while he was on earth, in Mark 13 we see it, but concerning the day 
or the hour. No one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. But when He's coming back. To think that I might be able to look at the, this letter of Revelation and figure out when Jesus is coming back is foolish. So we don't look at it that way. But what we do see is a call for us to embrace who we are in God through Christ Jesus. We move into the book of Revelation knowing that in this letter we will see God being made known completely. Christ being revealed completely. And who we are being understood completely. And we wait and anticipate. They even say, make it today. Make it today. And He does. He does because His Spirit moves in and through us so that as a gathered people, we proclaim over and over again that He is the Great That He is God Almighty. And Christ has made Him known completely to us. And so, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid as we step into this book. Don't be afraid as we read this letter. Hear what is promised to us at the beginning of this letter. Grace and peace. A reminder that we are the beloved of God. And that He has freed us. We are no longer captive. That's going to be important because what we will end up seeing is there are things in this world that take bondage. But we are not those who are in bondage because we have been set free. I'm excited about this series. I am nervous a little bit about this series. But I do believe that this is a book of hope. And this is a book that will renew and restore, maybe for some of you, a faith in a God that is bigger than your problems. Who will bring restoration even now to you. Let me pray. God, give us wisdom as we engage. Let us know that you are good to us. Let anything that is not of you be burned up in this passage, in this sermon. That if it is from you, let it take root in our hearts. Remind us that you are the Almighty. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond by singing.